Welcome to Feeding the Family with Dr. Kristen, where we help you navigate the challenges of feeding your family and learn about the role food plays in our health and relationships. Feeding and food relationships can be stressful, confusing, and even destructive. I'm Kristen Saxena, a pediatrician and mother of four, who's been researching and sharing what I've learned about feeding for over 10 years. In this podcast, I'll share my experience and expertise to help our kids and ourselves with everyday survival tips for real parents. This podcast is about progress, not perfection. So let's get started. Welcome back to Feeding the Family with Dr. Kristen. I'm your host, Kristen Saxena. Today's episode is kind of one I wanted to do for the end of the year. So I always get excited about the new year, um, but as I've gotten older, I've gotten a little less interested in resolutions or setting strict rules for myself, but instead thinking of it as just a time for a fresh beginning or maybe a time to kind of pick up some new healthy habits. For that reason, I'm super excited for our topic and our guest today. Um, We're going to be talking about just what can give our families a kickstart to maybe make some sustainable changes to the way that we eat that are very doable, um, very family friendly, include food that's enjoyable and tasty to eat, but also healthy. And so our guest today is Laura Fuentes. She is the mastermind, or really the mom, behind the website momables.com. She's going to share with us a lot of the resources that she has for families, um, as well as her story of how she got to where she is. Well, thanks for coming to the show, Laura. I'm super excited to be here, Kristen, and get to know a little bit about how we... You know, we do very similar things in our audience and you know, I'm just here to be a resource to you and your listeners. Yeah, thank you so much. So yeah, I was really excited to learn about your work. So you are kind of, you're the mom behind momables.com, correct? I am. And yes, so, I am. <laughs> so that actually, so we talked previously and that really started as a blog like 12-ish years ago. Is that about right? Yep. I started documenting the lunches that I would make for my daughter that were not Lunchables because she didn't like what was in a Lunchable, but she wanted food that was fun to eat. So that's really how it all started. And just sharing it out there with the world and other parents who also needed ideas. I love that. And I actually totally relate to that because I feel like it was around that sort of like 10 years ago or 12, you were, you were like on the cusp. That was, I feel like when kind of this like personal blogging, mom blogging thing was just kind of getting started. And I remember, um, I had a blog, like no one read except like five people I knew, but it was just kind of for fun. Like when you were doing it and I used to do the same thing. My second son was in preschool and I used to do what's in Sean's lunch. And so I used to do the same thing and just send little pictures of his lunch and say what was in there. And it was funny because you think you're just kind of doing it because, you know, you're interested in food and it's fun. But I really did get like lots of friends would be like, oh, you know, I miss what's in Sean's lunch. I used to always look in there. So I think that even in those early years, I mean, you really took it and ran with it. But I think it was it was a need like it was something that parents were looking for. They're like, I used to look and get all these good ideas. Um, yeah. back then, you know, there really wasn't as many resources. Well, there was no social media, like there was no Instagram, which is like, you know, like a visual, click a hashtag and get ideas really easily. There was no Pinterest. I mean, I literally had to 
make up things based on cookbooks at Barnes and Nobles. Like mm-hmm. literally my kids grew up in Barnes and Nobles after school because I couldn't buy every cookbook that I liked. So I would just like look at recipes. They would play with the trains. We would go read books when they were young. And that was like my inspiration hub, not Pinterest or Facebook or anything like that, you know? Um, so what I shared was really, really was what I was making for my family and how, and, and I am, and I had the same challenges that everybody had, like, how do I make my sandwich? How can I pack a sandwich that doesn't get squished? Now we have great, amazing compartmentalized containers, but yeah. 10 years ago, we didn't have those things, you know? So it was like, it was a challenge to make sure the food didn't get soggy, that you could actually ate it, you know, that was edible. And so I, that's really what I started sharing online, the solutions of, how do I pack X, Y, and Z? And how do I make my kid, how I make it interesting for my child to eat? Yeah. So then talk us through, because like I said, I obviously had this blog. It didn't turn into a mamables.com. So talk to me um, about the process. Like, how did you get from where you were there just taking pictures of, you know, your, your kids' lunches to what you've got going on now? Yeah. So, um, I have three kids now they are, uh, 15, 14 and nine, but at the time my oldest two were the, you know, were they're 14 months apart and they were the ones going into pre-K and first grade. And I think that's the time where most of us parents really experience that transition from eating food at home to having to pack it to go. Right. Mm-hmm. And in addition to lunch, that lunch struggle, we also, that's also the time where, um, kids really start their activities after school. So we, that's really a period of time where we go from, we're pretty rooted at home for most of the day to really being on the go and where evenings where the kids really are extra tired. And we're also exhausted from a long day of doing chauffeuring and working, um, we kind of get home and have that dinner time struggle. So you really go from kind of figuring out what to cook at home to now you have to figure out not only the lunch problem, but also what to make for dinner that not just your kids will eat, but you can pull together while everyone is hungry and there's homework going on. So um, I found that at earlier times, you know, I just told you, I kind of started sharing the lunches, but I'm not a trained chef. So like my many people in my audience, I was also teaching myself how to cook at the time. with cookbooks and things before, you know, now everybody sees me cook on YouTube and such. And they're like, Oh, you know, but like, I'm like, no, no, like I quit my job, my corporate job to stay home and raise my kids. And in the process, I had to learn how to do everything that my audience and your audience, um, experiences, right. I had to say, I, I burnt toast. I burned <laughs> chicken. My chicken would come out too dry. Right. So I really just started documenting the things that would work and what's shared because I I have a business background. So I felt like if I was, I know this is really, uh, you know, a very basic principle. Like if, you know, if somebody, a customer comes to your business and tells you something, that's just one of a th- thousand or one of a hundred, right? Like that's just the one person that verbally said something. And I felt like if I was having these problems with food and learning how to cook for my family, surely there were other people out there who were experiencing the same thing. So I started documenting beyond lunch at that point, somewhere around 2012. Um, I really started kind of developing recipes, kind of getting creative. And I found that I wasn't the only one. So as people 
that information sharing, the problem solving of what do I pack for lunch? How do I pull dinner together in 30 minutes? It was the beginning of attracting like-minded parents like myself who just really wanted to offer good, fresh options. You know, healthy is a word that I use kind of loosely nowadays because healthy is different for everybody, mm-hmm. right? But it's really about wanting to do our best as parents and knowing that at the end of the day, we made that effort, right? That our kids are fed, they're happy and safe. So I really, my business or get, grew organically just by sharing the solutions to the problems that I was solving. Um, and at the same time, I knew that if I had to, I just, I could no longer just whip something up at six o'clock with two really tired kids. So I, at the time I previously, I had used a meal planning service to learn how to plan meals and learn how to cook, right? Because Mm -hmm. the only way you gain confidence in the kitchen is by doing, Mm -hmm. right? If you burn chicken once or it comes out really dry, hopefully you figure out, oh, I left it in too long. Oh, I did this or the fire was too high. And then the next time now, you know what to look out for. So by getting help through a meal planning service, I learned the combining ingredient. I I kind of figured out how it worked and I felt that I could do it with recipes that I was creating for my family. And I felt, you know what, if these are helpful to me, just like the how do I pack a sandwich without getting mushy or how do I pack a smoothie for lunch? I'm like, surely other people out there could find it helpful to go, you know what, this week, if you just buy turkey this week, here's four different lunches that you can make. That's not just a turkey sandwich, for example, right? Because we want to buy the least amount of food so that doesn't go to waste at the end of the week, also for budget purposes. But we don't feel like we're eating the same thing day in and day out. Yeah. So that's really how the creativity began back in 2012 of um, what I was learning and then applying it to what my audience really needed and wanted. So, and then when you talk about like a meal planning service, do you mean something like um, like a HelloFresh type delivery service? No, that was or? not around back okay, in Okay, I was thinking, I was like, maybe it was like Sorry. the very early or no, like it, what kind of service? Because that's been a topic that we've talked about a little bit is this idea, like you said, of getting help. And that yeah. is one that those kind of things um, were one of the things that I mentioned that like you said for people can be really useful. So something in that regard, because it's like those first steps, because really to get yourself cooking, you kind of have to get comfortable. And so I always say, you know, there's nothing wrong with looking for guides or kind of starter sets. Um, There's a story I always tell, like um, my dad, actually, my dad never really was the cook in the, you know, he was like number five of six kids and a boy at the time. And then he just never was like a, a, the person that cooked meals. But, um, this last year, my stepmom actually had lymphoma. So she was sick and she was usually the person that kind of cooked for him. And so we ended up getting them those hello fresh meals sent. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, it was kind of like his first time really preparing meals, but he he got like a lot more confident in his like cooking skills. And so I always felt like that was kind of a good like training wheel or first step. Um, and so granted, he's, you know, 68 years old or 69 years old. Um, but I think at any age, that's I guess that's, you know, you could be 20 or you could be 70 years old and it doesn't matter. Like it's sort of like those first 
looking for help or looking for ways to kind of get yourself started, I think is that yeah. first thing, just gain that confidence and that experience to be like, okay, I start to understand how sauteing works. Like I understand the order that you're supposed to do things. Um, yeah. And you know, what's funny that you say that is it's interesting because today we have all of these services available of prepared meals, but 10 years ago, five years ago, that wasn't around, but not Mm-mm. only that, um, it's, I find that those services are great today, especially if, well, first of all, if you, if money is not an, right. it's not an issue because for many families, a family of four to do a, a meal delivery service where you get the food prep pre-prepped or food portioned is above it's expensive. Yes. And so for my family, it's not feasible to do that. And not only, and so for many families also, um, and the only thing is that what I found is that a lot of people get it just for the adults. So they'll get two portions, but they're making different quote and in quotes, kid meals. And I also find that that's a disservice to your kids, not from a nutritional perspective, although that oftentimes is, is that because when we do that, we're depriving them from experiencing the same enjoyment of food or participating in the same meal. So if you think about Thanksgiving, we all love Thanksgiving, whether you're a turkey person or a sides person, is because (laughs) this whole meal is prepared. It's all out there. And we're all really enjoying the same foods, right? Like maybe you don't like mashed potatoes, but someone else enjoys the mashed potatoes. But the conversation around the table is like, oh, you got to try that stuffing or this is the best dressing, right? And it's, I kind of always explain of what would it be like if Thanksgiving was just like, oh, we get to eat this and it's amazing because it's specially delivered for us, but you get to eat this, which I just pulled it out of the freezer. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't allow the, it eliminates a lot of the conversation around the food. It eliminates a lot of the, maybe the experience around cooking, just like you said with your dad, like um, I've tried and sometimes those meal delivery services. And what I like about them is that for me, I can delegate sometimes some weeks when it's really crazy. I fully delegate now to my teenagers to follow the directions There are pictures, you know, and so it's a good learning tool. Mm-hmm. That's why I ventured out into video and I grew a YouTube channel because I felt like, you know what, a lot of the families that had grown, you know, I have over hundred thousand families that a lot of them have been around with me for years. So they, their kids were getting older like mine. And I, they've told me that they're, they're, they're using our weekly meal plans that include two to three videos to delegate those recipes to their teen kids and their teenagers are learning that very valuable skill of cooking, right? Because Definitely. my YouTube videos are not like tasty slash overhead, right? They're anywhere between three and six minutes because, okay, it's not a cooking show, but I do want to explain why do you, when you pan fry something, why do you not lift the chicken from the pan until it's fully browned? It's so it doesn't stick, mm-hmm. right? Like there are things that they're not... Uh, you know, you could read a thousand page word blog post on how to pan fried chicken, or I can just explain it to you and show it to you. And now you, your skill just grew confidently in your ability to cook chicken. Right. So Mm -hmm. for me, it's about creating these weekly meal plans is about bringing the food experience full circle for Mm -hmm. families, right. Making it more efficient to shop, right. The, while a lot of blogs out in the internet, their food blogs, they'll put together a roundup of their own 
recipes and create a meal plan, you still have to click through, print out the recipe, create your own shopping list, right? Yep. And, uh, and then figure out how can I prep things that save me time? Yep. What I appreciate about my meal plans, not like to my own horn, but I think through it as a mom who has to make food at 6 p.m. And so I've gathered those five recipes. I've already taken a look at how do I combine ingredients so you're shopping less, right? Mm -hmm. And how can you prep for two recipes while you're cooking for one, right? What can you be, what can be made ahead of time? And the shopping list is done for you. So I, when I, when I use my weekly meal plans, I sit down and I just order I use like whether and where I live, I live like very rural area. So for mm -hmm. me, Walmart delivery. And I'm like, what do I add to my Walmart shopping list from in five minutes from the done for me shopping list mm -hmm. that I don't have? And so I can appreciate the thought of thinking through the process of meal times for families. So they are more apt to making it, right? Um, and when you are able to make food that you know, you've put in some effort or even if your teenagers help, right? There's a shared um, enjoyment and there's a shared effort. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we're, that's something that's really missing because we're so busy, right? The last two yep. years with the pandemic, we've all spent a lot more time at home, but we're still trying to connect with, an, with a, at some sort of level. And for me, being raised in Spain, food is how I've always connected with people. Mm -hmm. And so that's sort of like the full circle picture of the meal planning and getting help, right? While meal delivery services are great, they, they're they not like having a plan for your food for the whole week. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, I think so many things that you said like really resonate. Obviously, like one of the huge things that we talk about a lot are this idea of shared family meals and sort of getting to the one family, one meal um, that that's really like the ideal situation. And I think that what I love about like a resource like you offer is you show that that is totally possible. Um, and you come from a, a very real place. So you're like the recipes that you offer and the meal plans you offer are with the idea of like, this is food that we'll all eat. And it's, tasty food. And like you said, you know, it's not, it's simple in the sense it's like not overly complicated to prepare. It doesn't contain, you know, 1000 ingredients or, um, ingredients that are going to be really difficult to find just in a standard grocery store. Um, right. and like, like you said, the other thing is it's so simple that, you know, older kids or it's very easy to get kids involved in the preparation as well because they're not overly complicated cooking techniques or um, recipes. Or they have videos or. Yeah. And, and I think that as moms or parents, we take on this full load and responsibility to feed our family. And we forget that everyone lives under the same roof. Mm -hmm. So I you know, like last night dinner wasn't amazing, but my husband, I got home from the studio and my husband had it made. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I, I think it's letting go of that perfection. Is that he not going to appreciate it, this episode when you, he's going to love it. But I told <laughs> him like, I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> I mean, I mean, everybody ate it. It was like tacos and something or tacos bar. And I turned mine into a salad, a taco salad or something, you know, yeah. but um, but it, okay. So on nights, for example, where I get home really late, um, mm -hmm. 
I have, I can pick the simplest recipe for mm-hmm. somebody else to make. Right. Yeah. And I'm not going to go like, Oh, it's not perfect. It's, you know what? Everybody was fed. Everybody totally. was happy. No one, we didn't spend $60 on a drive through or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And by the time I got home almost at seven, I made a taco salad. Everybody was around the living room and I'm like eating in the kitchen, standing up because we have like an open kind of, and they're like telling me about their day and stuff. And I was like, you know what? I missed the dinner interaction, but mm-hmm. I'm still eating and they're still talking to me and filling me in about their day. Yes. And because I wasn't turned around cooking, making myself food, I was facing them and kind of still eating and interacting. And for me, that meals allow us to connect that way in, you know, in, you know, in something that's just really important as a family, because I, I feel like my kids are getting older and I have less and less time with mm-hmm. them. But when they were younger, I know the reason I created all of this is because when they were younger, making family meals was so overwhelming. And Mm -hmm. the thought of making one meal that everybody would eat was like impossible. It still is impossible. But I let go of the expectation that everyone has to enjoy it and that everyone has to eat it. Now Mm -hmm. it's like there is one meal for everyone that has an element from which everybody will eat. And if Mm -hmm. you only eat rice with shredded cheese on top because you don't like shrimp, you know, say we have like shrimp fajitas or whatever. Well, that's okay. Yep. I made it. It was made tonight might not be your favorite, but tomorrow, Hey, it's an opportunity to really love dinner. Cause you know what? To Thursday night we have breakfast for dinner and, and everybody usually loves that. You yeah. Know what I mean, yeah. So, and it's okay. Like we're not here to please our families on every whim. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's really the evolution of the thought process of, you know what? We really need to spend more time together. How can we do it? We need to, have more shared conversations beyond the, how was your day at school? Mm -hmm. Right? Like now my conversation, I I got home and my daughter's like, Oh mom, wait till you see the taco meat. This is last night. So I can tell you this example. And I was like, (laughs) what happened? And she's like, dad didn't like finally chop it, you know? And in the pan, you can still see the, um, when it's ground, it was ground Turkey, but it was like, she's like, you can still see like the Turkey strips from the machine. And I was like, I'm like, I know what he's going to get for Christmas and his stocking, one of those like taco meat things. <laughs> um, but the point is, is like, now we're not just talking about only school or whatever. Like everybody, for me, it's been another vessel by delegating the, resp- the shared responsibility of learning what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy. Like my son cannot be around cooking meat at all because he, he gets confused with a the meat thermometer. And I'm like, oh gosh, you know? <laughs> then it comes out dry, but you know what? You're laughing, but these are like fun things that I get that I feel like, gosh, I get to do this because Mm -hmm. I no longer have the 100% of the responsibility on my shoulders. Mm -hmm. So to me, that's like getting help without hiring help, right? Like we're all part of a family. Yeah. And it's help for you. And it's such a amazing experience and lesson for your children as well. Right. So even though they may not feel like it at the time, it's <laughs> that like, letting oh, thank go, you. Right. It's but exactly. Letting go. And exactly. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be done. Yes. Um, and I think that to me that like, I really, I kind of love your whole story and your whole approach. Cause like you said, you know, I think sometimes these online resources and social media, it can be very helpful in the sense that there's so much content out there that like you said, kind of when we were, cause my kids are like 
13 to 7. So when I started out, it was kind of a similar time as you, and there just wasn't as many resources. Um, so it's good there's so much out there, but I think that on the flip side, um, you know, I think some of it can be really overwhelming or, I mean, social media just has sort of this effect of, I mean, it's kind of been shown, it can kind of give you like lowered self-esteem because you get this idea that like, well, here's this perfect family, everything that, you know, they're all happy and sitting around the dinner table, you know, everybody's meal is like organic quinoa and kale and the whole family just happily eats it. And then you look and you're like, you know, my kid's screaming at me because his, you know, like whatever, like his carrots are touching the bread and you're like, the this chicken is... has sauce or exactly, exactly. And you're like, well, you know, then you kind of start to feel like well, what's wrong with me. And you kind of mm-hmm. feel like I can't do this. And so what right. I kind of really love, I mean, obviously like still all of your recipe pictures are beautiful and everyone appreciates that. Um, but at the same time, like you clearly, you come from a place where you're like, you know, I just, taught myself. I'm, I'm not a chef. Um, you know, I learned this by reading books and like trying stuff out and getting help myself and trial and error. Um, which to me is like, okay, well I can read, I can do these things too. And then the same things, like, I feel like you come from a place where it's like, you know, I've, I've had these, you, you kind of share your stories of like kids not wanting to eat the food that you made, or, you know, I didn't always, I've burned the chicken. I do all of the things. Um, I've gotten frustrated that my kids wouldn't eat the food that I, I had made them all of these things. I spent seven years with feeding therapists trying to figure out our picky eating problem. Mm -hmm. Like this is back when, you know, we didn't have as many resources and I had to do this weekly, uh, meeting on Skype years ago because the, therapy clinic that we hired, which is one of the best in um, the Ellen Sauter Institute. Like they, like they're not where I live, but so I'm not going to go, well, I can't help my kid. No, I'm going to go figure with Skype. And I was like, and this internet was not what it is today or on phone on the phone. And that's how I did it. And it was, and now I get to share what I learned with my community because I'm, and I share the stories. Like I used to lose it at the dinner table because mostly I was so frustrated at myself for not knowing what to do. Mm -hmm. Right. Like there's a ton of baby books, but there is no parenting book on how to not lose it because you just can't keep your own emotions of feeling like a failure day in and day out because Mm -hmm. While we feel like we want to teach our kid to eat everything, it's really not the kid's fault right? Like no, it's oftentimes there are our lack of, um, not con- like a lot of times we give up too easily because there's less of a fight on mm-hmm. serving the foods we know they don't like. Right? Yeah. But now I just serve them and if they don't like it, they don't like it, but I gave them the option to try it or not. Right. Yep. Um, so I I've learned a lot of things that I'm like, wow, I felt awful about my parenting and myself because I was not equipped. I didn't know how. And I thought it was my kid when all along as kids are like kids are, and they're going to do what they do. But I had the power to set, to manage my emotions, set the boundaries, set the atmosphere around food. So it would no longer be something to debate or, or fight about. Right. And so 
but that took seven years. Oh yeah. Weekly go. And, oh, I thought my kid didn't know how to swallow and all this stuff, <laughs> or there was something wrong. Like he did have an allergy, you know, like when you have to take your kid to get a colonoscopy at four years old, you're like, Oh my gosh, like what's wrong. You know, yeah. like they're very scary things that a lot of families go through. And at the end of the day, we're just really learning how to navigate speaking up for someone else. Right. Cause and oftentimes we don't even speak up for ourselves, but now we have to figure out what's wrong with our child mm -hmm. and, but you know, still work, still make dinner, still have clean clothes, still do all these things. So no wonder it's really overwhelming with so much information, which is great out there that you can feel like you're either not doing it off enough. You're do not doing it right when you're just trying to do your best. Yeah. Right. Well, and and so I really, yeah. I can see that. We've talked about, um, you know, Ellen Satter and sort of the Satter method. Uh, and there's so many huge takeaways. And, um, you know, I think some of her big tenets are definitely like this shared family meal, you know, not mm -hmm. being a short order cook, making one meal and this is it. Um, the structure to the feeding, which I think also, you know, is something you facilitate through your meal plans. These are set, you know, me meals and snacks. Um, and then certainly kind of like you talked about a little bit is that idea of that division of responsibility. That's a huge one. That's that was huge. Life change. Yes, because it really releases a lot of the pressure on us mm -hmm. parents mm -hmm. to have to do everything. And I'm like, wow, I don't. Mm -mm. Right. Like, I'm, I, it, from like school, I, I have applied that into so many areas of my life, including my business, right? Once I got it down at the dinner table, I was like, I can't just like stop there. Like I have <laughs> to go from, you know, my photos are, you're like my, your food photos. Yeah. They're beautiful. Cause I hired out somebody who lives around the corner from you, um, yeah. you know, to do what she does best. So right. I don't have to do it. So if meal planning isn't what you enjoy to do, it's overwhelming and you just really don't know how to get started. Like, you know, for example, like there's tons of meal plans, meal plan companies out there. So I'm not saying, Hey, choose the mommables classic meal plan. Like it, ours is two fifty a week. Like I spend more on coffee, totally. um, you know, $10 a month for something that's done for me and saves me time that I also use. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to do that because I used to pay for that. So I'm not asking people to pay for something that I wouldn't use. Like I, I put together something that's been an evolution of the things that I learned. Right. Mm -hmm. But a lot of families are like, you know what? Like this all sounds great, but I'm still eating drive through I'm still getting takeout. I'm still not eating health. I say healthy, but like, I'm still, I really just don't know where to get started. And they just want to improve their, whole family's health, right? Mm -hmm. Which is what I encourage as opposed to many of us adults want to use the new year to kind of kickstart our own um, habits mm -hmm. and things. And I just tell them like, I commend you and I applaud you and I'm here to support you. But think about taking your kids along this journey. Totally. It doesn't mean that they can never have goldfish again if that's what they love, right? Like it's- yes it's not a hard line, right? Like not, and nothing out there that I put out says your food can only have X ingredients. You mm -hmm. only have to buy organic or no, you have to do, all you're required to do is do your best, right? With the information that you have. So if now I give you the information, you can make decisions of what brands you purchase from your budget, mm -hmm. right? And so 
when you need help getting started to, especially as a new year approaches, I feel like taking that whole family approach makes it so much simpler because everyone's on the same boat you are. Totally. And I, I'm actually really excited. I really wanted to talk about that because, well, I always, um, like, I just love like New Year's. I have this thing about kind of new beginnings. Um, you know, I love New Year's and the first day of school and Mondays and all of these things. I don't know why, um, but I just do. I think I just love this idea of a fresh start. But I would definitely say, uh, you know, I just, I turned 40 this last year and I just feel like my approach to those kind of things though has always changed. Like, cause I, I think it's very common, you know, we all know about New Year's resolutions and it's very, people are always coming up with these rules they're going to set for themselves in the new year. And I would say like my younger self probably had these like resolutions that I was going to do. And I mean, I think the statistics show that most new year's resolutions are like not followed through on (laughs) sometime in probably the first month. Right. So instead though, I still do love this. I think of it like more, more like the first day of school now, like it's just a great time to think about making a fresh start, but When you have a family and you get a little older, you realize, okay, well, maybe like this kind of rigid, sort of ridiculously um, like strict rule I was going to set for myself isn't what we're talking about. Instead, let's just talk about like something that's actually really good for me uh, and sustainable. Like what's Mm going to be something I can sustainably do? And that to me um, kind of brings us to this program that you've created, which is this family kickstart, um, which is just that. So it's something where it's like, this is, this is very doable. It's sustainable because it's easy. It's simple. It can include your whole family because like anything, any changes you try to make, making it in isolation is very difficult. But when you do Mm -hmm. it as a family or as a group, again, that contributes to it being something that's much more sustainable. And I think it really enhances the experience because truthfully, we all want ourselves to be healthy. We all want our children, our family to be healthy. But I find that in a lot of situations, one of those kind of gets pushed to the wayside. I think, especially if you're kind of going extreme measure one or the other, you know, if you're like, I'm going to do this very strict, um, you know, no carbs or something diet that people will go on. But most people would say, well, but I don't think that that's very healthy for my child. And I've also often asked, I'm like, well, if you don't think that that's safe and healthy for your child, think twice before you, you know, Mm -hmm. decide to take extreme measures for yourself too, because that to me can be a a time for pausing. But um, I would love for you to kind of walk us through what your kickstart program is, because what I love about it is it's not a diet. It's not like you said, restrictive. It's really about a resource for sustainable improvement um, that you can kind of use to meet yourself where you're at. Yeah. So I think, thank you for giving me the opportunity to share this because it's been part of the the program was really just part of kind of like putting together my own journey of Mm -hmm. people that asked, how do you, how do you, I really get my whole family to eat the same foods, right? My kids are still eating, asking for nuggets, or I'm still getting that meal service and my kids are getting something from the freezer or, well, we still drive through, you know, or order delivery food for delivery through an app two to three times a week because I get home late. And I, I said to them like, you know, and they they just can't understand that. I also get like, then they don't believe that I too get home at six thirty or seven o'clock on production days or later, or, you know, that have commitments. And I, so I 
I, I sat down a couple of years ago. Um, this is, and, and I explained to my husband, like, I need to really simplify if I were to write down what it is that I do and how do I do it? And he's like, it's just go back to the basics of what it is that we do. And we create a plan. You make the same food for everyone and you offer it. And then the, the recipes, all the recipes are made with normal, fresh ingredients, nothing. Okay. You can cook your own beans for soak them overnight and cook them all day, or you can buy them in a can, you know? So Mm -hmm. the option is there again, going back to the, here's the recipe you choose the ingredients and the method. Mm -hmm. And so that it makes it really easy to stick with, right? Easy to prep, right? So, so like if I'm, you know, this whole concept, a lot of people think that prepping food requires me to make, spend five hours on a Sunday, washing, chopping, prepping, cooking, and having everything done for the week. What I'd like to tell you is that on Sundays, I maybe spend 30 to 45 minutes figuring out what I can prep while I'm making, while I'm making a, a food on Sunday night. Mm-hmm. What can I cook at the same time? What can I chop or prep for Monday and Tuesday? Yeah. I cannot go all the way to Friday because the stuff that, you know, my, like if I'm washing or peeling potatoes or, or my teenagers doing that, they're not going to last till Friday. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking like, what can I do today for today and tomorrow? That's yep. it. When I'm on t- tomorrow, while I already prepped the stuff yesterday, right? So now it's Monday and the slow cooker is doing its thing. I'm like, okay, since I'm hands off while I clean up the kitchen, is there something I can prep for tomorrow and Wednesday? So I'm literally just taking it that very like therapy approach of one day at a time, but I still have a larger plan Mm -hmm. because I've already shopped for the food. I don't want it to go to waste. Right. So Mm -hmm. all of those things I kind of broke down into doable meals with in my, in like the 30 day plan, for example, you still find chicken nuggets in there. Yeah. They're just, I, saw, I haven't them. tried those yet, but I was like, Oh, we're making these. These look yeah, delicious. You still make them mm-hmm. now. Okay, fine. You're like, you know what? I really do not have time to do them. And if you don't have old, uh, kids that are 10 and older that you can delegate breading chicken to, that can watch my YouTube video on how to make it mm-hmm. then. Okay. So then that night, maybe you are buying those pre-made as an ingredient, but they're served with a salad option or there's fresh fruit as a side, you know, there's other, so all the other elements you can still make or assemble. I like the word assembly because I think of meals as an assembly line, or I think of them as assembling things that are, that I've already semi-prepped. Yeah. So the 30 day plan helps you do, you know, if you want to eliminate cereal for breakfast every day, cause you're like, my kid is kind of hungry. It's not as nutritious. Okay. So I pick a couple of different, you know, the plan gives you three different breakfasts a week that you can cook once and eat a couple of different times. And mm-hmm. it's paired with either yogurt or fruit. So it becomes more of a complete meal. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so what I like about it is that everyone, including adults are eating the same foods, mm-hmm. which uh, for us, we often as adults make poor eating choices because we skip a meal. Yeah. We're unprepared or we quote, forget to eat, but don't forget to eat because it's just kind of, we're so rushed that by the time we eat, we're just eating anything we can get our totally. hands on. Mm-hmm. So by having that consistent, um, plan, I felt like, you know what, every, I just, I wrote it down, you know, and some people, obviously they they'll do, instead of doing all seven days, they'll do like five of the days and then they take off the weekend and that's enough. But in the process, 
they're learning the same things that I had to teach myself, which is cooking, enjoying, delegating, mm-hmm. prepping. So in a very um, kind of like inconspicuous way, I'm teaching you, quote, my ways of how to pull it together. So after 30 days, if you met most people after they do the 30 days, which includes like breakfast, lunch and dinner, um, because it eliminates the thinking, right? Yeah. You can just step into doing. And yep. as adults, we make so many decisions every day that the first few uh, first people are like, I don't know if I can go with that. I'm like, just trust the process. Yeah. Well, and and I think no, that was what I was going to say is it really like, I think the real deal for parents a lot of times is that decision fatigue. And by yes. six o'clock at night, that you've made so many decisions that day you're done. So it's no wonder that people are just like, okay, let's just get pizza because sometimes the hardest part is like just deciding what you're going to eat. It's even harder than making the food, which sounds ridiculous, but it's true. So I love, you know, any tools that kind of help you like reduce that decision-making process that you have to make and be like, oh, we have a plan. That's already going to be super helpful. And then like you said, what I also love about this is as you look, you know, I've kind of meal plans in and of themselves are sort of these like 30 day situations are, are kind of, there's a lot of them out there, but I feel like a lot of them have this sort of like, there's supposed to be some sort of like detox or like by the end of this, you'll have, you know, whatever cured your gut or something, some sort of thing where it seems like very important that you adhere to this very strictly for, you know, X number of days. And so you'll see that out there a lot. And to me always, like, I feel like in real life, uh, I mean, there's lots of reasons that maybe that would be not something I'd look for, but I also think for a real family, that's not real life. You know what I mean? Like right. as you look at a meal plan, you go, oh, but you know, Jimmy's birthday is in there and I don't think that's what he'd want to do. We've got this holiday, we're going on vacation, you know, or something like that where I just don't think even those things are suitable for real life. So I love what you said where there's no expectation or you never comment like make sure you adhere to this strictly no no changes it's very much like here you go here's everything you could possibly need um you know do do what works for you you know if we're taking weekends off or we have you know dinner at grandma's on sunday nights or whatever go enjoy that's your family and live it that's one night you don't have to cook right exactly one night in the plan you go whoop that day we're out and you don't buy that ingredient or do you don't cook that recipe i what i felt what i found is that there is a lot of freedom when you eliminate decisions Mm -hmm. and so and I found also that most families in, you know, the Kickstart program is really geared towards families who want to establish healthy eating habits, mm-hmm. meaning in, in introduce new foods to their kids in the different ways, um, add a little bit more variety into their meals, uh, reduce the amount of food waste that they're, you know, because it doesn't get uneaten or they get busy at the end of the week. Um, and feel better about like, just feel like the efforts that they're doing in the kitchen makes a difference, Mm -hmm. right? And so when you eliminate all of the decisions that you have to do on a day-to-day basis to achieve that, and it's just like, here, follow it. And they're normal everyday recipes that people will still enjoy, the the kids want to eat, Mm -hmm. right? Like there are kid kid favorites there. Um, it, it, It provides families with the opportunity to learn, discover, and actually achieve 
one of the goals that they have for themselves and their family, which is healthier eating, right? Like I I grew up in Spain, like I said earlier, and like this, you know, it's still to date proven that a Mediterranean diet is in fact, the healthiest quote diet. Yeah. Um, I say diet as in the word of what you eat, what you (laughs) eat, not like in a restrictive way. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it comes from just using fresh ingredients, Mm -hmm. whether in, yes, folks, a rotisserie chicken that's been cooked for you from the grocery store, it's still a fresh ingredient, right? Mm -hmm. It's something that you're using at its you know, minimally processed, somebody else roasted it for you, roasted for you, but it saves you time. Yeah. And it's 100% okay to do the, you use those shortcuts. Now, if you want to roast two chickens this week, that's awesome. I'm going to give you the way of how, or if you want to buy it, that's good too. Yeah. And unless somebody in the family has to go for, through a, um, a strict protocol, right. Mm-hmm. To heal their gut. Cause I have done a lot of those. I've had a mm-hmm. the thing about it is like, I've had a, a many health issues within my family and myself in the last decade. So I have experienced mm-hmm. what it's like to do a, a full elimination diet, GAPS diets, paleo diets. I've had to 18 months on keto under medical supervision um, for different, you know, I, so I understand the challenge that comes with being the only one while still having to make yeah. normal meals for everyone else. And so That is why I'm like, gosh, it just comes down to basics of using fresh ingredients, whatever it is that you have available around you. Like I know in Nebraska, for example, your summer farmer's markets and the produce that you have in the summer is amazing. Mm -hmm. In the winter, it's a hit or miss. (laughs) And so frozen foods are your Mm -hmm. friend. Mm -hmm. And it's totally great to roast frozen vegetables. You don't have to only roast fresh vegetables, right? Or yeah. You know, if you're, if steaming vegetables, it's like, oh, my family doesn't like it. Try roasting them. You can still take that bag that says steam in a bag. Forget about steaming it, roasting it. Yeah. Right. So again, it's back to the program or, or just it facilitates and like achieving what we really want, which is to enjoy mealtimes with our family in a consistent way. Yeah. And if you have grandma's house on Thursdays, like I do, then that's one night you don't follow or don't cook, but I still gave you, you still ate like either overnight oats for breakfast. There's, there's pancakes for breakfast. Like you can still eat, enjoy pancakes, mm-hmm. even though you're eating healthier, real food meals, you know? Yes. And I think that's what I also love about it. I mean, I think kind of like you insinuated earlier, healthy can have different meanings to different people and anymore. You know, I think that's another thing we've talked about is because there's so much content and media around it, it actually becomes very confusing to, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of messaging about like, well, this is healthy. This isn't healthy. And a lot of it is very like black and white. Like this is, this is perfect and nobody should be eating this. But with your meal plans, I mean, I think the basic theme is sort of this reduction. The idea is to just help you reduce the amount of processed food and maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, added sugars in your diet. And I think you'd be hard pressed to not have, you know, to find people that don't agree that, that, that is a healthier, um, change that, Mm -hmm. that you can make. And so I love that it's, that to me is really the idea. And I know, like you said, you grew up in Spain. Um, but has that always been, uh, like kind of the way that you've cooked and ate was sort of lower processed food or was that kind of like a, was that part of the process or your learning process where you made a decision to sort of eliminate those things? 
Yeah, like I grew up literally just eating very similar foods like you saw in the Kickstart program. Um, now, obviously, I say like those have been a little bit Americanized, meaning like the recipes that traditionally in America we like to eat now today. Yeah. But um, I, my grandma, I grew up mostly with my grandmother. And yes, like we ate food made from scratch daily. That was her job. You know, I participate, like my job was to prep the food, like wash stuff, like wash and peel potatoes. Like everyone, if I was home or if we kids or anyone else was home, you were assigned a task. And that's kind of a lot of the mental that I forget that we, that I try to bring back, like, wait, the reason I, I, I know it's important. The reason I know how to do it is because someone else taught me how and made me do it. Right. Um, as a child. And then I sort of, when I, once I moved into the United States, to the States in my teens, um, I really struggled with puberty, um, fast food. This is the nineties mm-hmm. and really trying all of these like Americanized foods. And so I gained a lot of weight in my teenage years. I was about 40 pounds overweight. And so I also struggled with that being a overweight teen. My mom was like, I don't understand. Like my mom would cook Mediterranean food, like normal, our normal food that I grew up with. And she used to tell my grandmother that I don't understand in America, it must be the water. Like my daughter is gaining (laughs) weight. And I was like, it's really not the water mom. I'm thinking now that I look back, I'm like, it's not the water. It's the (laughs) fact that, you know, I ate school lunch, um, which is not the healthiest just Mm -hmm. because my mom, you know, even though my mom, sometimes she packed lunch, I would trade it because I thought American food was so cool. And, um, but I, and then after school, I would go to my friend's house where she had all of these processed snacks that Mm -hmm. I was, so I was really just without knowing I was ingesting extra calories and of processed foods that I was not burning off by walking home from school, by walking to the grocery, like by living my daily lifestyle, like I would in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just not doing it here. Like I wasn't, I was just not an athletic child. Um, my, I have a severe spine deformity. So like my back hurt all the time. So sports was like off limits. Yeah. Right. So I put on 40 pounds in like two to three years. My mom thought it was the water and it was like, not the water. (laughs) Right. And so I know how the stigma that you carry as a teenage that's overweight, you Mm -hmm. know? And so now I think back and I'm like, gosh, my mom was really, she was really doing her best in the food part. Yeah. But I, she was fighting marketing, uh, social pressure. She was basically, she was fighting the, you know, what my friends were serving and enjoying. And my friends were all skinny and slim. And, and I was like, how come they don't gain weight? And I, you know, but that's hormones for you Mm -hmm. and genetics. Right. Mm -hmm. And they were in sports and I wasn't, and I didn't know all of these things until now that I'm 42 and looking back and going, wow, that's what happened, right? So yeah. going back to that experience for me, it's not only painful, but it's motivating to mm-hmm. go, it's really simple. If you, in every day doesn't have to be perfect. That's why I say you, your kids, if they enjoy goldfish, like that's what well, I think do? it's better too, like not to be super restrictive, um, right. you know, because that causes its own problems. So I, think I used exactly- to sneak candy because mm-hmm. my mom went like, oh my gosh, you cannot eat like, 
we have got, she went all restrictive, right? She did yeah. to the doctor, something must be wrong with her. And the doctor was like, she's healthy, all this blood work later, you know, all these things. And my mom's like, that's it. Cold Turkey, you know, we lived in California at the time. So we had sprouts and things I had never seen in my life. All of a sudden the <laughs> bread was like, and what did I do? I rebelled, right? Yeah. Like I snuck candy high in a closet. Like right, I would eat things because they were forbidden. Mm-hmm. Well, and so, the funny part is kids do yeah. that, but adults, you do it too. So yes. that's why like these diets don't work. They don't work for they kids. They don't work for adults. The lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You have to want to eat it. And my mom was like, let's just, and so she would make that one meal for both of us. And if I didn't like it, that's all I, that's what mm-hmm. we had. And so that I, I was like, gosh, I forgot all of those things, you know? And so now I'm like, okay, I, I get it. Right. Cause she also worked, she was a single mom and she was just doing her best yep. here. And so, um, that's why also like the whole restrictive thing, I have been there in different ways and I have struggled with the weight. I've had three kids put on 45 pounds, had to take him off, you know, like I cannot, because of my spine, I cannot keep on extra weight. So I'm yeah. like not naturally skinny. Like I have to make healthy choices consistently. Yeah. And so I feel my audience, I feel you that are, if you're watching us or listening, I know where you're at because I live it every day. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about you. So before we move on to kind of our <laughs> next segment, I do want, like, like you said, this is, I think this is such a fabulous resource for families, especially at this time of year, if people have kind of top of mind, like, hey, new year, I want to make some changes, but not a diet. I wouldn't think of it as a resolution. We're just talking about a tool to facilitate you with some positive, sustainable, doable changes that you can make for your family. So what's the best way for families, for parents, listeners to kind of get a hold of your materials and really kind of get to know what it's about and get started with this program? Yeah. If you go to mamabowls.com and you'll click on the family kickstart program or meal plans, and then check out all the meal plans. What we were just specifically talking about was the family kickstart program. Mm -hmm. And if you Google it, we're the only family centric program. Um, so it is, and again, it's not about restricting. It's about making consistent, healthier eating choices. I love it. Um, and I would also encourage them. You have another website that's laurafuentes.com. Um, which I name. (laughs) Yeah. Which has a great, um, great blog. I mean, just other reading material, I think really useful for parents. Um, again, very relatable and is a lot about, you know, taking care of yourself first and really helping that to be the best thing for your family. So we'll include all of those links with our show notes, but totally, uh, encourage everybody to check that stuff out because it's super useful, but I will move on to our next section. So our next section, um, is ask me anything. So I have a couple listener questions. Um, the first one is from Lisa. She says, I'm a recently divorced mom of two young boys. We had a lot of changes in our life this last year, but I'm committed to making 2022 a great year for me and the boys. Part of that is making sure we're eating more meals at home, eating healthier and and getting a better hold on my finances. I've been looking at my budget, however, and feel I already spend a lot of money at the grocery store. I know it's possible to eat well on a budget, but I don't have a lot of time to shop around and find the best deals. Do you have any advice for improving our eating habits, but also keeping a tight budget? 
Yes, Lisa, <laughs> I feel you. I used to, back in the day, used to go to the grocery store with my cash envelope when we were in a very, very tight budget. So I had a certain amount of money allocated to my family. And I will tell you that kind of like what we just spoke about, the first thing to do is make a plan for the week. You know what your week looks like better than anyone. So if Tuesday, Thursdays are the days where you get home really late because you have activities or you're busy. Um, I would make those, the nights that you get home the latest, you have the least amount of time to cook or spend in meal making. Those should be the nights where your meals are most morally like assembly, whether you're using up leftovers or maybe it's a breakfast for dinner night um, or it's a slow cooker meal. Those are all, those three like themed dinners really cover the budget friendly, the less time and the still enjoying a fresh meal made at home. So um, what I would think about is takes 10 minutes on a weekend morning with a cup of coffee or um, tea, if you drink that, Um, but basically sit down and look at your week ahead and go, what nights, what would be the night that I would be most tempted to drive through something or just not make a healthy choice? So what can I make that's quick nutritious and that my family will eat. And so if you're, instead of meal planning, you know, like many of us that just kind of plan through the whole week, if you don't have a lot of help and you don't have a lot of time and finances are limited, think about that, think about it that way. What will make, help you with a plan for your food, make better choices throughout the week. So I would do that for easier nights. And then the rest is about, you know, reusing ingredients that are not as expensive. So maybe two nights a week you have rice. One one night could be like fried rice with, um, you know, some type of protein in there. So that's a, like, instead of takeout now, you make takeout at home mm-hmm. with, you know, fried rice and some fruit or salad and protein. And then another night that rice could be the, or the first night, the first night that rice would be the side to your meal. And then because you cooked extra, now you can reuse it onto a fried rice night. So it makes sense. So totally, um, really it's just about 10 minutes and to sit down and plan based on your time and then finding recipes that are budget friendly. And um, if you don't have a lot of, I, I only, like I, I mentioned earlier, I am like, I shop at Walmart because that's where I live. It's outside of a city and I would have to drive to three places. And if it's not available there, then I'll substitute something. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So I keep it really simple. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree with you. I think that probably the biggest takeaway from that is that key component of the planning, because I think a lot of the excess money we spend on groceries ends up because we buy more than we actually need and we end up wasting a lot of it. Right. Um, and I think we've all been there. And if you kind of go without a plan, you know, it seems like sometimes you're at the grocery store and you have this kind of grandiose plan of how like everyone's going to eat all these fruits and vegetables this week. Um, and you kind of overbuy sometimes. And if you didn't have a plan for using it in a specific meal, sometimes your best intentions and like those, you know, little radishes, you find them later kind of in a soupy mess at the bottom of the <laughs> crisper drawer, right? Because you're like, oh, well, I didn't have an actual plan for getting these for into anybody's mouths. Like, so um, I think, like you said, that key component is probably the planning. And then just keeping things simple. And as you Mm -hmm. get more into a routine, then you start to know, well, you know, I can add if you're trying to look for adding, you know, more fruits and vegetables or things like that, then I would say just building on what you've already done and saying, like, I can add, you know, frozen vegetables. I can add things like that that aren't a huge cost, aren't a risk 
for, you know, food waste and mm-hmm. just, just be a little more strategic like that. So I totally agree. And you have some budget friendly recipes as well on your website, correct? Like specifically, um, geared towards people that are really looking for. Yes. And even our classic meal plan, we have a two meatless dinners a week. So one is very fun and simple. Like think of it as like breakfast night or yeah. something that it's, that you can easily delegate. And then we also have, uh, you know, uh, one fully meatless recipe for sure. Not because it's a vegetarian plan. It's just because it costs less to feed mm-hmm. a family. And I, again, looking back to my Mediterranean growing up, like we didn't have meat with every meal all the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know that we all seen groceries go up. And so we try again and reusing ingredients, right? And if it's just, you, Lisa, if it's just you and two younger kids, you don't need five different meals every week. You can yeah. cook three times a, because most recipes, like for my recipes are four to six servings so that if it's a larger serving, I can take, I tell you at the beginning, take out X this amount. So you're going to use it in another recipe, mm-hmm. but so you can just cook three times and rotate how and when you eat the food. So you're cooking less, you're spending less and you're still eating homemade meals. Yeah. Well, I think that's another like that integration. We've talked on the show too about like meatless Mondays, for example, Mm -hmm. and that can have several benefits. A, perhaps, you know, health wise in terms of consuming, if you're a person that consumes a lot of meat, perhaps health wise, that would be beneficial. Number two is certainly cost. So eating Mm -hmm. meatless meals can generally be cost savings. And then the third thing I think goes again back to that sort of decision fatigue where, you know, if I just say on Mondays, it's meatless Mondays. Well, I don't have to think like, you know, and maybe I have two or three various things I do on meatless Monday. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't have to every night be like, well, what am I going to do today? So I, I love that too. It's like sort of those little tricks that can have several benefits and give you a good bang for your buck, <laughs> yes. literally and figuratively. Um, okay, so the last question is from Natalia. I am a mom of two girls ages eight and 10. I'd like to improve our eating habits, but both of my girls are very picky eaters. I feel like I've tried everything over the years to try to get them to eat more things, but at this point, feel like we eat the same things every week because it's easier than making two or more meals every evening and it saves me from arguing with them what can i do (laughs) so natalia this is a really common problem that i hear and see and i have several solutions for you um i think a lot of times we stick to eating the same foods out of the fear or we already anticipate that our kids are not going to eat something Mm -hmm. and we, but we want to eat something different because we as adults were like, I'm so tired of eating the same foods. Right. And so, um, going back to something I shared earlier is you can introduce a new recipe into that rotation by making sure that there is one element, maybe it could only be the rice or it could be the chicken or it could be something that every person will eat. Right. So it's Mm -hmm. not about eating the entire recipe as is or as it's shown, but it's making sure that there's one element that each of your kids will eat and you still go like, you know what? I ate something different today, right? Yep. And, um, and and so that's really important to understand that the fact that you're just making the meal, you did your job right there. That's where your response, this is again, the responsibility. The vision of responsibility, yeah. Yes, you made it, you, it was nutritious, right? And so, but, uh, you know, like my mom that she did everything cold, she 
quit making foods cold turkey, right? And now all of a sudden was everything was different. Everything was sprouted this and whatever. And I rebelled. I tell parents, if picky eating is something that you're struggling with, make sure that in your meal rotation, you include foods that your kids or your girls already enjoy eating, mm -hmm. but you're adding new things that have an element that they'll eat. So you're, they're getting exposed to new things, whether they eat it or not. Yeah. Again, that's their responsibility to make that decision, right? Just like we do, mm -hmm. we want them to try it, but there's no pressure on making them try it. It's just, this is the food that we made and that I made today. And this is what we're going to eat. And you don't want it. Well, there's, what is it? What? Oh, I don't want it. But, okay. They're saying they don't want the whole meal, but if offered as, is there something as shown that you will eat, then maybe it's just rice. And you just have to be okay with that one meal, not being as substantial yeah. as your expectations, right? We have these huge expectations for our kids and just letting go of that is really freeing because there's, we put less pressure on our kids to perform, to eat, to clear their plate. It's like, yeah. there's so much pressure at the table, right? And at the end of the day, the best way, that's why we're so surprised when our kids try something new at a birthday party and we're like, what? They don't eat that at home. Yeah. And you're like, well, that's because there was no pressure to try it. And their friend, they, they saw their friend try it and their friend liked it. And they're like, wait, I wonder if I'm going to try it too. Right. Totally. So again, it's about just, um, incorporating new things that you may want to try that have an element that your girls will eat all the time. Right. Yeah. And I also tell people like, for example, I have a lot of parents that use our classic meal plan to, um, have that done for you plan that does, I already think through this very thing I just told you, Natalia, of how do I reintroduce foods in a rotation? When I have a master plan, I'm looking at it with big picture for like months ahead. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to make sure that I reintroduce ingredients for our families in different ways, right? And so parents are like, I don't know, this Mama Bulls lady, <laughs> this is what she put out and I'm making it. So they totally take away the it's my fault. Mm -hmm. And it's, Oh, Laura, she made this plan for us. And I followed it. We don't like, I've had, um, little, like people send me on Instagram, like videos of their kid going, miss Laura, please don't include, um, the stir fry with the green circle peas. I really don't like it. And cause they'll literally the, I tell parents like, put it on me, tell them miss Laura made this. And so again, that eliminates that, um, feeling of I'm not doing a good job mm -hmm. or I fail to play on something <laughs> as opposed to like, Hey, we outsourced it. It's a, it's like you go to a restaurant, it's a hit or miss. Sometimes when you try something from the menu, that's how I put it. So again, ma make sure that back to the, her original question is the summary is like, make sure that there's an element in a new recipe that mm -hmm. the girls will eat and then do incorporate maybe healthier options of their favorites, right? Yeah. If you're buying nuggets, maybe get them they're eight and 10. They can help you bread the chicken. They can help assembly line, right? Watch my YouTube video on how to make chicken strips or chicken nuggets. Yeah. And they can help you make them. And then you can have them ready in the freezer, but now they're invested in the process you see. Mm -hmm. So I do find that it's a really useful, um, it's a useful thing to get our kids to prep our food because if that's the foods they want to eat, then they're going to have to help you yeah. make it and put it together and have it ready in the freezer. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think I agree with everything that you're saying. I think that division of responsibility, if people aren't familiar with it, and we have talked about it, but I totally encourage people to kind of look that up and get familiar with it. I think it can be a little 
difficult at first, um, but it's actually quite freeing when mm-hmm. you, if you're a person that's kind of been in these sort of power struggles or arguments or stressful situations at the table and you just say, I'm just not going to do that anymore, basically, which at first I think is a little anxiety provoking. But after a while, it's just kind of freeing. Like when you realize yeah. I don't have to really be upset about how much or how little my child is eating. It just is what right. it is. And at first that's scary. And then after a while, you're like, Ugh, it's fine. And it feels better for them and for you. I'm making good choices. I'm buying healthy foods. I'm making them available. Mm -hmm. I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to be doing. Whether they choose to eat my options and the choices that we have at home or not, is not my fault or not my doing. And actually they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. I mean, you know what I mean? We're allowing them to, yeah, to, and to listen to their body. Like we decide, Mm -hmm. you know, instead of saying like, I think you should be so hungry to eat this much food, uh, you know, like let them, let them make that decision that, and then kind of, I loved what you said about making it an idea of not a complete overhaul. I think that can be kind of a recipe for disaster and not necessarily a matter of, taking away or restricting their favorite foods, but saying, hey, we're going to add, we're going to add something good into the rotation. Um, And just this idea that like, I think that we talk a lot about like exposures for little kids, like, oh, a child has to try something, you know, 15 plus times. And most of us think of that as something we're talking about feeding toddlers. But the truth is that's true for older kids and even adults. So even yeah. if they're not eating that kind of new element that you've introduced the first 10, 20 times, don't forget that that exposure is actually still beneficial and important for them and makes it much more likely that in the future, even if it's far in the future, they will try and probably enjoy those new foods too. So Yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Laura. This was wonderful. Again, I encourage everybody to um, look at your resources. I think it's a great tool for families looking to go into the new year with some positive changes. Um, And it's just been an absolute pleasure having you on. Thank you so much for having me, Kristen. I'm super excited to, you know, speak with someone who also understands, you know, the, the challenges of feeding families, who has an audience, who is wanting to make better changes and, you know, work on meal times, which we all know is super important. So I'm just delighted to have had the opportunity. Thank you. And thank you everybody for tuning in for another episode of Feeding the Family. Um, Go ahead and hit that subscribe button and make sure you join us every week for new episodes on Mondays.